Hello and welcome to the Rufus Project Redeeming Features cast, this time looking at Deathbed, the Bed That Eats, from 1977. I am Trevor Holland and I am joined by... Christian Fletcher. Thank you so much for having me back, Trevor. And can I say, I admire the fact that you say the, 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 part, the byline or whatever, <laughs> the, the second line of the movie every time. So it can't just be Deathbed, it's deathbed the bed that eats and i think that's very important (laughs) that is the name of the movie so we've got to get that right uh now if you listened last week uh you may have been aware that we were going to have a very special guest unfortunately uh chris can't make it uh with to the recording we uh got close to it but unfortunately he he couldn't make it at the last minute so chris we are thinking of you you made us watch this movie (laughs) and and hopefully he stayed away from a deathbed while he's listening to this because yeah yeah all the best (laughs) i hope we can redeem it for you i suppose (laughs) well we'll see what we can do but uh but yeah definitely chris we miss you and uh we definitely we are going to get you out of the podcast that's going to happen. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> now, uh, if you haven't seen Deathbed, The Bed That Eats from 1977, uh, I've got a little uh, synopsis of the, uh, of the movie here for you. At the edge of a grand estate, near a crumbling old mansion, lies a strange stone building with just a single room. In the room there lies a bed. Born of demonic power, the bed seeks the flesh, blood, and life essence of unwary travellers. Three pretty girls on vacation, searching for a place to spend the night. Instead, they tumble into nightmares and the cruel, insatiable hunger of the bed. (laughs) I actually think that's probably one of the better plot summaries that actually sums up pretty much exactly what happens. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it leaves a bit out, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, that's pretty comprehensive. Yes, I, I appreciate that, and, and um, yeah, I believe this film because it's celebrating its 40th anniversary in in 2017, and I believe that it was lost until the early 2000s. So I don't know if it was buried on purpose or it managed to be uncovered. So yeah, so um, there would have been a lot of people that have heard of this film probably in recent years, but maybe a lot of people that haven't. So we, we can we can live to tell the tale. We can. It's not a death movie. We did survive watching it, so <laughs> that's pretty good. Now, uh, as you might expect, this movie has no awards listings, not even joke ones. Uh, so we can move straight on to that turkey trivia. So uh, it's rated 4.4 out of 10 on IMDb. It had a budget of $30 million, mm. uh, but uh, no box office info because I, I think if it's got any screenings, it was extremely limited. <laughs> I am just, I am gasping at the fact that, did you say $30 million to make this film? $30 million? Oh, I, have, I have my theories that I think <laughs> we can go into later. Okay, because, yeah, there's something not quite right, unless unless one of the actresses was being a real diva and demanded a lot more money. But, yeah, that, that baffles me. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they had a bit of trouble recouping it, especially if it's been remained buried pretty much in, since 1977. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think moving on to the trivia, this movie probably became more well-known after comedian Patton Oswald mentions it uh, in his 2007 CD, Werewolves and Lollipops, 
and he does a stand-up routine on it, uh, but he actually refers to it as Deathbed, the Bed That Eats People, so he gets it wrong, but he told people to look up the movie on IMDb just to prove that he wasn't joking about its existence. <laughs> well, it's funny, I first heard about it because I think we were screening a lot of trash movies, of course, and, of course. Um, and a lot of people said, why haven't you screened Deathbed yet? And I actually hunted it down, and I have actually <laughs> seen it once before, so I'm revisiting it. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, so I have actually seen it twice. <laughs> There we go. Uh, now, as you were saying before, technically this year marks the 40th anniversary of the movie, but it's not that straightforward. Filming was begun in 1972. The actual print was struck in 1977, but the film was not officially released until 2003. Oh, I would have laughed if they'd released it in 2003 as a normal mainstream film. <laughs> Or this uncovered bit of the 70s. It probably should have been remained buried. I don't know. But yeah, interesting. Sure. So I'm wondering if someone... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll work something out. <laughs> or well, you may have some more trivia there. I, I actually do have some more trivia. Yes. Because until its official DVD release in 2003, it had been circulated via pirated bootlegs. And uh, the director of the film, George Perry, didn't basically kn- didn't know that the film had gained an underground fan base. And he said he discovered people discussing it on the internet one evening. And that's when he decided to put an official release of the film into the works. <laughs> oh, but knowing how much people love bad cinema or trash cinema like this, I'm surprised he didn't think of it earlier. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, To to know a bit about the inspiration of Deathbed, it came to director George Barry in a dream, which much of the uh, more surreal aspects of the film is attributed to. Well, I know you mentioned in the intro, um, you know, is it a cheap horror film from um, 1977? But I think it was even on Wikipedia where it listed as a surrealist horror film. And that kind of, you know, piqued my interest a little bit. And having seen it bits of it in the past, I'm like, ah, I see what you mean. Because there's some very surreal things in there. And, and I don't know its origin, but it feels uh, it's very European. I'm assuming, I don't know if the origin of country, <laughs> country of origin. Yeah, um, I, I think it was American, but again, oh, okay. I will uh, I will cover over some of my thoughts on that. Yeah, I felt like uh, I was for... watching a European art film or something that should have played at like a film festival in the seventies that slipped through the cracks. But anyway, quite possibly. Now, speaking of uh, of art and artists, the uh, artist in the film who dies from uh, tuberculosis. Uh, when you actually do flash back to him in his art studio, now this is a bit more intellectual, His room, uh, in his room he's surrounded by uh, drawings from Audrey Beardsley, who also died of tuberculosis. Ah, oh, interesting. That was a lot deeper than, you know, we, we probably gave the movie credit for. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there are some things in this, but we'll, we'll again, we shall mm, discuss I know what you mean, we when go. we get to it. <laughs> when we get to it, when we get to it. So, uh, well, this is the Redeeming Features cast, so uh, as always, we do need to see what we're working from. So what I've done is I've grabbed a review to basically... Look at one end of the scale and, and to see if we can build on that. So the title of this review is Right When You Thought A Movie Was Bad, This One Is Worse. Might be in the bottom ten worst movies ever. Poorly filmed 
and oddly done, it's so slow that it it is hard to even stay awake. You could head cameras to some monkeys and they'd make a better movie. One star. <laughs> that's a movie we need to review, by the way. Monkeys filming a movie. But uh, that's a little side note there. But wow. Okay. So, yeah, because it's hard with a film like this because... With a title that pretty much, I, I don't know if it was a review on, on Amazon that I actually, or IMDb that I read, but it, it, with a title like this, it, it's so hard not to give away exactly what happens. And pretty much, Deathbed, the Beth, bed, bed that eats, pretty much gives it away from the outset. So you think to yourself, what kind of film can they make around this? So yeah, it's interesting to see um, some of the things that happen. Very, very true. Not much mystery in that title. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, what, one thing I do say about it, it was less than 80 minutes. So when I saw that, I'm thinking, I know I can do this. That's I nice know. and short. Not too much filler then. So, well, that's what no. you're hoping anyway going in. So, But but then like, at, at the start, it kind of just starts with a black screen for a while, just over some uh, some... Less than uh, pleasing, munching, crunching <laughs> sounds. As we find out, is is pretty much bed chewing. I suppose is probably the term. We we find out that that sound is yeah is quite is used quite a lot because um I noticed yeah as you said with that black screen it goes for probably almost a minute and a half I think. I so, know. And, and going in again, so going into a movie called Deathbed, the bed that eats, they literally are <laughs> throwing it. <laughs> to us in that first 30 seconds. but And then they add this really strange synth over the top of it that almost feels like they're going to go into sci-fi territory. I don't know if you got that sort of feel. I think it's the theremin. I don't know if it was or their attempt at the soundtrack. I've got here the music was by a group called Cyclobe, so I don't know if they were trying to try something quite modern or <laughs> synthesised, but it, it would either be, the soundtrack would either be pretty much dead silence, the bed munching, or these really weird synth noises. So that's pretty much what we were greeted with at the start. Yep, uh, until we got to that uh, that little title card saying, breakfast. <laughs> and I appreciated that, and, and I kind of... I was kind of hoping for a few, unless I, I blinked and missed it, but I know there's only one other card, I believe, that comes up, unless I did miss one in the middle. But I, I kind of like how they set that stuff up early. So it, it, it sort of set up the tongue-in-cheekness, which I thought would be rampant through it, but uh, as we find out, isn't quite the way the movie goes. No, well, I'm pretty sure there was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There were, there were the three cards uh, basically indicating that that yes, indeed, someone was about to be eaten. But <laughs> even before we get to the, the the bed itself, that room it was in, like uh, the the fireplace, looks like it's. I thought at first the fireplace was actually somebody had set fire under a table. It just didn't look right. We we see later that it's a proper fireplace, but it just mm, mm. didn't look right. <laughs> and, and it, well, it was just so strange because, of course, we know going in what this movie's all about from the title, you know. But it, it was almost like they had to reiterate it so much by having those that you know that stone room with the bed and pretty much nothing else but a fireplace. Like it was almost like stating the obvious, I suppose. Mm. So it was almost like people had come to this room and they couldn't resist but sitting on this bed. It seems like everything revolved around the bed. <laughs> I know that's but, I know that's the idea of the movie, but like you even look at pretty much our, our first victims arrive, like in true horror movie style, so you, you know they're not going to last too long. But it seems like as soon as they get there, it's, it's straight to, oh, how nice is this bed? Let's sit down. <laughs> it, was either, it was either they were either eating, or which we'll get to a bit, they were either eating or talking about the bed. That's what I found most of the dialogue revolved around 
Pretty much. Well, not all of the dialogue. I mean, you did, you did miss the other thing that was in the room, the painting. The paint. Oh, of course. With the, with the, uh, uh, I've got painting guy here, which I'm probably yep. going to refer to him as. <laughs> yep, which... yep. The, the, the artist who had been sitting behind that painting for 60 years. I mean, I know he's dead. It's established quite, quite early on um, as he basically talks to the bed slash narrates slash gives exposition um but it's all in voiceover he basically just sits there and stares at the wall uh, or the occasional prop And, and you're mentioning that that couple turning up and when i was watching it i was thinking is this just like a really badly dubbed foreign movie? Because at no point could I see anyone talking, and and then you get you do get a like a brief shot where you actually do see the couple talking, and it's just like oh okay, most of this dialogue is just all added post post filming, basically. It's like they probably told them just to run around, escape from the bed, or or run into that ro- that stone room. But and the dialogue that they seemed to add over the top of it was ludicrous. Like, oh, there's you know the typical, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, and I, that's what I noticed about that opening scene. It was like the guy, because um, going in, knowing, not knowing what you know what's happening with the film, I'm like, that guy is so adamant to get that girl in that room. <laughs> like, she wasn't taking because that's the thing we notice is anyone that seems to arrive, especially the females, will go, oh, you know. I don't feel comfortable here or, you know, there's something not quite right. But it's always the guys like, hey, come on, don't worry, we'll just lie down on the bed. <laughs> yes, yes, we, I, I, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to, well, I'm going to turn up at this abandoned house, <laughs> um, which is apparently locked until it basically lets us in and we get to this room and, and, but the, like, he's, he's bought on this bottle of wine and, and this, what, this tub of chicken or something. <laughs> And, uh, and and we get these shots of the bed. I, mean, I don't know how they didn't notice all that stuff coming out of the bed as the bed drunk their wine I... and ate their chicken. And, and like all the time he's trying to, you know, seduce the girl and it's just there's no chemistry there. And when they kiss, it's like that, you know, the closed mouth. Um, they're doing it because they have to because <laughs> they don't really want to. And and then she's go, oh no, I'm nervous, I'm hungry, and that's when they go to eat the food and they find out it's been eaten, and she goes, oh, I'm not hungry anyway, and then everything's good to go apparently. <laughs> I know, like that's the thing. Even the guy goes, oh, I must have. I think he said I must have got something mixed up. Whereas, hey, if I brought that home and opened it up and there was just bones, I'd be saying a bit more than that. <laughs> Doesn't seem too concerned, but but God. As you said, those pretty much becomes a bubble bath, uh, that yellow bubbles that pretty much happen. But I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's a, an arty, interesting way of doing it, or just a really lame way of showing it. Like, because obviously we find out the way that the bed eats pretty much within that first scene with the couple. But uh, I, I think it's actually. I, I'm still in torn whether I think it's well done or not. Because <laughs> like it, it could have been. Like, let me think about it. It could have been a, a puppet type bed thing where the front of the bed opened up and ate people like a mouth. And I'm kind of glad it didn't become that. It, it kind of was interesting, but then of course it was very much like an art film. The way that they did it like that with all the bubbles and I don't even know how they would have filmed that in some tank or something. <laughs> I'm I'm guessing they did because I mean we we do get sh- like later on we get shots of people completely submerged in um in this yellow tank goo or whatever, yeah, whatever it was, it 
but but yeah, you know, as as the um, as the couple starts making out, the the big bed it draws its own curtains, and then we <laughs> start hear the screaming and see the see see the hand like fall to the floor covered with blood before it gets dragged back up and then we get the big deathbed the bed that eats uh, title <laughs> but, which is like, which i took note was 10 minutes in i'd even i'd forgotten we hadn't even had opening credits <laughs> so yeah but i did like i appreciated a little that's the thing it, it did take itself quite seriously in a lot of respects but i did like the little tongue-in-cheek bits where it did draw the curtains like kind of cool touches it's kind of giving the bed a bit of character because i suppose in comparison to a lot of the people in that movie, I think the bed did have <laughs> some of the better, better character to- <laughs> characterizations in a lot of the people. So, yeah, it was but, such a noisy eater, though. That's, that's again, another reason when when it was eating the chicken and drinking the wine, it's like how could they not hear this? <laughs> it's like, come on! <laughs> I, I did love the little things, I, I, like how in, how it drinks the wine instead of I don't know it, it absorbing it out of the bottle. It actually literally opens the cork and pours it into itself. Like there were little cool little touches like that, but um. But yeah, definitely. How could they not hear this? But I did like also too in the lead up to that, and I suppose it happened later on. But as you said, with the doors opening, and I, I like there was a lot of close ups of of the doors locking themselves, and I, I kind of it, it gave you a lot of sort of the bed's point of view, which was kind of I know it sounds weird saying that, but yeah, it was kind of a quirky way of presenting it. But I also think they were trying to flesh out a concept that probably might not have been an hour's movie anyway. Yeah, I think we're already establishing that the uh, the character with the most well character in this movie is basically the bed. <laughs> That's where it's all revolving around. <laughs> when you think about it, it's quite an achievement. Oh, definitely. You know, I don't know if they were expecting the painting guy to be some kind of um, or our narrator slash exposition guy. If they were expecting him to hold the show, but no. When, when he's when he's sounding like um, Christopher Plummer in Star Crash, <laughs> with everything he's saying all very subdued, it's not very exciting. So yeah, I think the bin the bed, sorry, wins hands down. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, uh, actually, another thing which again happens quite quickly after that title finally comes up, um, and and we're getting these panning shots of the bed. So because uh, again, the title of the movie leaves no mystery. Um, and they almost had like having a flashback, and it's all stock footage, um, covered with what were the newspapers with headlines about people disappearing, and it's like thousands disappear. Are you saying this? Are you saying? And then then the artist is going, "Well, it's your own fault. You got greedy." You're thinking, how how did one bed manage to? To eat so many people in so short a space of time that there were there was a headline saying <laughs> thousands gone missing. Oh, and and the fact that as you said, yeah, they had so many newspaper headlines too. And of course, I, I love the one that said reports of munching sound <laughs> heard in the night. <laughs> yeah, maybe those thousands. Maybe when they got through the first hundred people, you probably would have been suspicious. But and that's the thing that about this movie is they they do try and give us a bit of a backstory, which I appreciate because it, it obviously. <laughs> fleshes the concept out a bit more but anything backstory related just seemed to confuse it so much more for me <laughs> like I almost I don't know if I'm being really thick but it just sort of like okay can you just be a, a run-of-the-mill slasher type film rather than trying to give it a backstory but I appreciate they were being creative with it they, they were and um and, and when I don't know what the artist taunts it or just makes fun of it and 
gets it to destroy their house or whatever. So, like, you, we, we see this mansion initially, but then they, they show this, this, this statue that starts weeping blood for some reason, and then they're showing cracks in the walls and in the, in the concrete paths before finally having a rumbling sound, and you see this head of the statue rolling along the ground, and, and the next thing you know... Uh, it's basically a vacant lot. So it's like, okay, that was an uh, interesting way to show the destruction of a house. Where's the bed? Oh, it's in a cellar now. Yeah, no, and that, that was never, like, it took me a while to kind of realise, like, I wish it had all just been in one sort of mansion. It would have made a lot more sense, but having it in its own little stone cellar thing was a bit weird. <laughs> it was a thing that had ended up happening, but I was kind of just waiting for the next lot of victims to arrive. Sorry. Yeah, and, and it was the same room. It was the exact same room. Which I'm positive was was shown to be inside the mansion um, when when the first couple turned up to be uh, to be consumed. Yeah, that's why that, that confused me a lot. Yeah, and then considering, yeah, that's quite strange. It might be to do with the fact that, as you said, some of it was filmed in 1972 and some filmed a little bit later. <laughs> Maybe they didn't cons- consider their continuity. I don't know. But, yeah, they probably started filming it. Stopped for a while, and then when they went back, because they pro- they probably were filming in like a condemned building, most likely without permission. So they, they must have got back and found that the building had been destroyed. So they kind of had to kind of had to fill in the gaps in. from there. Because it seemed to be like because like, we find we end up finding a group of women that the, the um, African American and I think it's the girl Sarah. I'm trying to remember. I don't know what the third girl's name was. Yeah, the, the group of three women that that turn up. And, um, and it always seems to be that they'd, yeah, approach, like, a cemetery and then they'd find the thing in the background. But, sorry, the, the castle or the mansion in the background. But it seems like they actually had to go past the cellar where the bed was before they got there. I don't know. I was a bit confused by that. Yeah, they search around for a very long time before they find the cellar, which is, like, the the only building on the entire land, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're being very, very, um, very sure about themselves. But, but I just couldn't believe straight away, like, um, you know, uh, the, oh, that's right, because we're talking about like the narrator and and things like that from the painting guy. But then suddenly we get these inner monologues from the girl Sarah, who's you know they're getting they're in the car on their way to to stay at this another another horror movie trope, staying at the abandoned house. It was just like mm-hmm. Evil Dead all over again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the inner monologue from that girl, Sarah, saying about how bitchy the other girls are, and then you notice one of them starts, you know, bagging her out about, oh, you're not going to be wearing that, are you? Or and what did you bring with you? And I think she said she brought flowers and stuff like that. And, honestly, I wanted that girl to die straight away because of the way she was <laughs> the way she was um, treating her. But as we find out a bit later, that the bed makes her um, death a little bit longer than the others. But, um yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So yeah, it was uh, Diane, Susan, and Sharon. Okay, the, that's the it. three. So, so Sharon, Sharon was the one who kind of tagged along, and then just thought, "Oh, you go exploring. I'll have a lie down." Because <laughs> oh, okay, because like what I was saying earlier about everything revolved. A lot of things revolved around where everyone's going to sleep and stuff. Like automatically, they walk in and be like, "Oh, okay. Well, you sleep now. Just I'll do up a roster or something." <laughs> it became. But, oh, they yeah. even, they're even saying at one point, oh, the bed's big enough for all three of us. <laughs> the other one didn't seem too keen on doing that, though. <laughs> she's no. Like, she's like, I'll sleep on the floor if I have to. <laughs> Pretty much. But then as soon as they walk in there, I think it was, um, uh, actually, that was Suzanne was the uh, shy one, I guess. Yeah, because the one of, that they I'm, end up trying to track down, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And then because um, the, the artist then starts making fun of the bed because apparently the 
bed starts bleeding. We just see this little bit of red inside the goo inside the bed. And he goes, you're scared of that woman. Why are you scared of that woman? You're scared of that woman. Why are you scared of that woman? Is that... Uh, uh, do you have any point in this? The bed's scared of the woman. You've said that five times now. Can we find out why the bed's scared of the woman? Are you just going to tell us that the bed's scared again? Fine. Because <laughs> don't we find out... Because I don't know if it had been shown at this point in that earlier flashback, but we find out that... Um, that it re- oh, it's so confusing. That the bed reminds... Um, she reminds him of the love that he had years ago before it was imprisoned in the bed or all that sort of, you know, how, I don't know if we'd got to that point yet where they talk yeah. about this whole demon's blood and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't think we had because there's a bit where, where the other two uh, are out exploring oh, and yeah, I have through jumped. this graveyard yeah. and then there's this shot of this girl in the grave for no no explanation at that point in time and you're thinking... That's uh, remarkably it, it, that, that that girl's in remarkably good condition for someone who apparently has been buried for a long time. <laughs> What's going on? And and then eventually, I think after the bed eats Susan with the whole thing with the chain. I don't know why it's doing that thing with the chain because it just ends up consuming her whole anyway. Yeah, but I I did I did like it. It makes sure it undresses her first for. <laughs> No reason other than to give us some gratuitous nudity. And then I think after that we find out about the whole thing about the demon. Yeah, and that's where it kind of got a bit confusing because I kind of wish that it had just, uh, like, just given us that flashback earlier and not gone into all this other stuff. But I think, of course, we needed to kind of explain the, the whole guy and the painting sort of side of things. And actually that reminds me, earlier there was that scene when the three of them did arrive at the house. And I did appreciate when it was the... I don't know which one it was. Looking at the looking, and you had the point of view shot from the guy actually literally sitting inside the painting, looking at her. And I was quite surprised because I thought uh, it's like there actually is a guy just sitting behind the painting, <laughs> rather than him being I don't know his spirit being consumed by the painting. There literally is a guy behind it. <laughs> but yeah. it was a clever way of doing it as a shot. But and, and that's the thing they had these touches throughout where you're like, that's quite interesting. Like you mentioned that chain strangling bit and you think why they do that but yeah I, I just think it was an interesting thing it's kind of something that they do in slasher movies try to outdo each other or even though this isn't a slasher but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah but uh but again like there's a whole thing like i was trying to work out what was worse whether just being the you know the the conversations they have that were obviously added after the filming because just so <laughs> much of this stuff where it's just the most ridiculous things are being said and you can't see anybody in the room actually talking. Or, or they all have their own little bits of internal dialogue about each other. You're going, can we... What are we doing with this dialogue? This dialogue's bad as it is. Why are we making it even more complicated by having, like, three levels of actual conversation, post-edited conversations, and post-edited internal dialogue just to do what? <laughs> because if we don't have that, the only sound they have is <laughs> dead silence or crunching. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, it is. It, it is quite interesting, and it's like it, you almost want it just to be a run-of-the-mill cheap horror film and just focus on kill after kill, and maybe have a little bit like don't even bother having these inner monologues because 
at the end of the day, they're kind of characters that we don't really care about too much. And they're not even... And in a movie that's now 17, you're not really given any time to kind of care about them. So it it is weird when, as I said, you've got that girl saying in the car, you know, oh, they're being really bitchy to me. But I'm like, but it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so but they actually do like start showing like they do show concern for her once she once she disappears, and her skull inexplicably ends up in the garden with flowers growing out of it, and they pick the flowers yeah, that without actually seeing the skull that's at the base of the flowers. <laughs> oh, that that bed does strange things, or oh, that room does strange things. Yeah, that that touches like that that you would just. It was so B-grade, but, like, they were trying to go for some sort of arty shot or something like that. I don't know. And that, that was followed up with the, with the bed getting her purse so it could have some Pepto-Bismol after eating her. I'm going, okay, I, uh, that, that, I, uh, just, 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 just move on. Just, just have somebody else eaten because, frankly, everything else is just a mess. Yeah, Oh my god! And it was just, and I think this is kind of, yeah, uh, I can't believe, yeah, it just eats its entire suitcase, and and it seems like whenever I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but it seems like whenever people, are, even in the flashbacks, when people are even on the bed and, and realise something's happening, they don't rush to try and get out or anything like that. <laughs> like I think we've got a scene later on when they're doing a flashback, and the guys just shooting, two guys are like shooting the the bed and not even trying to get out. It's quite strange. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe one of them. Uh, at some point, I do remember there was like because it is mentioned that the that the mansion was once owned by gangsters, and they're there and they're shooting the bed, and then uh, and then one of them just goes, "Oh no, I'm being eaten alive." <laughs> and that's pretty much how you just explain that. Then is the deadpan delivery that they pretty much have the entire way through the movie. I suppose when anything's being dubbed over, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like there is no, <laughs> you get the occasional scream, but most of it's just like, "Oh no." Oh, 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 what? Oh, 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 dead. <laughs> and it's not like it does it in quite a long time. I, I'm probably jumping ahead again, but later on when the guy puts his arms in to try and save the day, and he pretty much takes ages just to pull it out, and it's a skeleton. <laughs> I, I do. I appreciate little touches like that, but God, you could be trying a little bit harder, dude. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But yeah, they, they have that whole flashback, that very extended flashback sequence, so we can find out about all these, uh, all these previous people that can that were consumed by the bed, and for a while the bed was part of a health retreat or something until. Yeah, that was confused me. Like they said, it was it was a celestial bed that they sort of had outside yeah, and, yeah. and became an orgy. And they they had an orgy on it, and <laughs> everyone in the orgy got eaten quite easily with very little screaming. Yeah. And then, after all that, we get the demon story. That's where it comes in. Which was just quite... I don't know if I'm being strange, but yeah, that just really... it It's confused me a lot and and i'm believing that he's made the bed for his lover but i was confused by it actually he he made the bed for his lover but then his lover the lover girl came to him willingly but then her body wasn't able to deal with making love to a demon or something and so she ended up like in some sort of mystical coma where she didn't actually die and the demon went to live in a tree was that it and he 
He falls asleep. <laughs> you made a lot more sense he than falls, I did. The, and the demon falls asleep every 10 years, which is when the bed's at its weakest, we find out during this extended expositional period by uh, by the artist behind the painting. And I couldn't actually work out if the artist was on the bedside or not, because there are some points where he actually seems to be encouraging the bed to eat. Well, yeah, because I've, I've got in my... Like, just I'm trying to make sense of it. I've got in my notes here that um, we realised that he died in that bed, and why did the bed try and spare him? So it's like he gave... Somehow his death gave, or her death gave life to the bed, because there's that scene, too, where the blood drips onto the bed and it seems to then become kind of... Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it, it, yeah, yeah. It's deathbed type. But but I was, I was also thinking... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, the, 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 definitely it was the, the, the woman um, succumbing to the demon that gave birth to the deathbed. And then the, then the artist wasn't fully consumed. His spirit was released or something because the deathbed didn't want to completely consume someone with tuberculosis. Maybe. I might have felt sorry for him, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But I, I must admit the movie did take on a different sort of... The title took on a different sort of feel for me around this time because it started to make me go, okay, well, this was the, this was his deathbed, essentially. you know. But I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to look too deeply into it. <laughs> it's just a deathbed. You know, it wasn't his specific... Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't the first victim of the bed and he wasn't the last victim of the bed so it wasn't his <laughs> yes as we find out yeah 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 so but um but, no but a bit of a clever sort of yeah okay <laughs> we move on but um I, I think we go back at this stage to the two girls and we find out one of them is missing and i don't know if that's sarah that's missing uh hang on i can pick the list back up again so it was susan that went missing so, because uh oh, yes. because we also see that uh, we we get introduced to uh, to Sharon's brother at one point. Oh yes, who has some of the best seventies fashion ever in a film? I must admit. He's talking <laughs> to an old lady who I assume is meant to be their mother. Again, entirely with uh, with post edited dialogue, and it's about yes, yes, I will find her. She's run away again. Yes, I will find her mother. <laughs> Yes, and off he strides in his 70s jacket and flares and haircut. <laughs> but I did appreciate how they brought in at least sort of that. I like, like I like when you've got something like this, you've almost got the detective trying to hunt down or, or work out why all these people have started disappearing. So I kind of liked that that bit added, but I probably would have appreciated it more if they'd been more concerned when the thousand disappeared a few years back yeah true true <laughs> and investigated it then but i did like that kind of subplot where it wasn't just the bed eating victim after victim even though i must admit between that and the dialogue i kind of did appreciate <laughs> the the eating scenes yeah i, <laughs> but, I um, anytime someone get killed it was like oh good i don't need to listen to their dialogue anymore yeah exactly now i don't know if we're at either, um i'm probably jumping ahead but i don't know if we're at possibly the best death scene in the entire film <laughs> with the main girl from the group. I think I might have jumped ahead yeah, a bit. No, but, that, um... that, that's fine because I, I think there's a whole thing because that's when we get the um, – because before Susan gets eaten, that's when we get the lunch placard. Uh, oh, and then yes. dinner is when Diane comes in and she's having a smoke. And we also find out that that's when the artist gets, like, rings and keepsakes from the victims for no easily explicable reason. Yeah. And because she's having <laughs> a smoke all these and he just goes, oh, I haven't had a cigarette for 60 years. And it's like, oh, okay, so is the bed going... Is he now asking the bed to kill 
Diane so that he can get a cigarette. <laughs> it seems like a long way, a hard way of doing that, it, doesn't it? Uh, uh, and like, like he died before the mobster who had the cigar died. So like, couldn't he? Like, he, he surely he could have got the mobster's cigar. I mean, it's not like he hasn't had a cigarette since he died. Or have, hasn't had the option to. And I'm pretty sure like there were other shots of people smoking in that bed before they died in that flashback section. So I was like, screw you, artist. Don't be greedy. You've had plenty of chances to have a smoke. Just because Diane's got one, don't... don't. I'm looking into this too much. Oh, but the, talk about an addiction when you actually have to kill someone just to get their cigarette out of their hand. <laughs> But hey, with, as we said, with a, bed, a movie called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats, you can't really ask too many questions. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, this is, I, I think, Diane, this is the first time we actually see someone putting up a fight. Um. Oh, yes. And did she put up a fight? Like, that's the thing. Yet no one else seemed to ever do that before. It was like, oh, I'm being eaten. Obviously dubbed over afterwards. <laughs> and then kind of being sucked in. But it was like they've gone, okay, let's let's really make this worthwhile and literally drag it out as pos- as long as possible. Yeah, I mean, that that I think that was about one of the few times a movie actually had any sort of agency when she manages to pull herself out and she's like dragging herself across the floor um you know really showing that her legs aren't working at all um and you know the back of her legs just covered in blood as she gets to the door and and just as she gets to the door and and of course that's when susan turns up as well uh we we get the shot of a of one of the bed's sheets just lashing out and wrapping around her ankle to drag her back (laughs) like a lesson oh i like that's actually like whenever people do speak of this movie that's one of the scenes that um people mention a lot and and i must admit it was very clever and um and quite funny that's the thing this movie had these humorous moments that would come in and and be a bit different because i was thinking to myself this, she's obviously going to die, but how is this bed going to do it? And I was not thinking the sheets would lend a hand. <laughs> yeah, well, we've, already saw, like, we've seen the bed basically make itself after uh, after it ate and drawing the curtains by itself. And and I'm assuming the bed kept the room clean because for a, 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 a room that's been that way for uh, who knows how many years, that room was spotless in this abandoned, <laughs> deserted cellar underneath a destroyed house like i can understand the bed being in good condition because you know i don't know every time it remakes itself it, it moves the dust but yeah the floor was was pretty spotless yeah. <laughs> maybe because they moved on from that um decommissioned building <laughs> the, from the first scene and they've had to um yeah make do with whatever um concrete slab they could film on <laughs> pretty much pretty much but yeah i mean so Diane dies just as oh, I've got to remember. Why am I trying to remember their names? Um, so Diane dies. Susan Sharon turns up, and then that's when the brother also turns up and finds the place straight away. Finds the room like just like that. Even though it took them a big, there was a whole like, big exploration scene for the girls to find this room. And he goes in there, and Sharon's sitting there in a corner, apparently. I, th- I think even the artist said that her mind is gone or whatever like that. Doesn't say a word, yet the brother goes over because he works out, because he wants to get Diane out of the bed, but no one's told him that Diane was eaten by the bed shortly before he turned up. <laughs> oh, and that's the thing. And I've, just what I, that's what I found about, because this was kind of near the, nearing the end. It was kind of like, it, they're all so calm and subdued. She's just sitting in the corner almost like, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> the bed eater doesn't even say that, of course. And then he just walks in and goes straight over to it, like like bed eating is quite normal. And then yeah, he, he goes in there and and I mean I mean like the fact that the bed strips his fingers, his hands to the bone, uh, but it's quite handy that it also cauterized the wounds around his wrists. <laughs> and he's just sitting there with his skeleton hands sticking out of the end of his arms. How could you not laugh at that, though, as he turns and goes, ah, and he's got skeleton arms. I'm surprised she didn't crack up. <laughs> I know. And then, then later on, when, when they start, um, the bones start falling off, he just goes, oh, you're going to have to take them off. And they bloody throw, throw his skeleton hands into the fire. <laughs> It just got weird by this stage, and I think because I just kind of wanted to know what was going to happen and how they were going to sort of get around this, because there was a lot of, we were saying before, um, yeah, there's there's not much in the way of soundtrack, but this particular, at the end, there was a lot of uncomfortable, drawn-out silences. Yeah. Where you're just kind of like, okay, uh, you know, and uh, half the time I didn't know if it was the fire crackling or the bed. Sometimes I was just like, come on, just eat her, like, especially after the other um, woman that just got eaten, as we said, with the lasso and all that. Yeah. When the sheets became a lasso, and the girl comes in and actually tries to rescue her, and she gets and ends up getting sucked up inside the bed. Yeah, she literally then just goes in the corner and just sits there. Like I'd be screaming or doing a bit more than that. And then, and then out of nowhere, absolutely out of nowhere, we because we we have seen the the demon is basically a close up of a guy's face with red eyes. And, <laughs> yeah, and we, we get that face back, and and we get that face back, and he closes his eyes, and the ass just goes. The demon's asleep. I can talk to her now. You can talk to the woman who's you said that her mind was gone. Is that what you're saying? And oh, yeah. For, for someone who's lost her mind, she's very good at following the instructions for what is a pretty involved ritual uh, that he's walking her through. I know because she ends up drawing this. But I, I don't know what the shape is that she ends up. You know, it's like kind of like a loop with a, I don't know um, what it's supposed to symbolise. But yeah, she she does a pretty good job of it with the whole um. The stab. Well, I've got here the stabbing of the floor, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. The the floor was bleeding too, so I don't know if it was a death floor. Well, that's a. <laughs> well, just on a bit of a side note, I, I think I might have appreciated this movie a bit more if it had been the whole house was somehow possessed. I I, I know we work out that the guy behind the painting can control, you know, doors being locked and things like that, but probably could have been cooler if it had been more about the bed maybe they were in chris sequel yeah i know but, but you know just just as the woman's finishing her her ritual again guy behind the painting just goes oh i lied to you you have to die now so that the demon's lover can live and then she's just what falls over and this uh this fully closed woman from the uh from the grave from earlier it suddenly yeah. is resurrected but they can't resurrect her clothes i noticed oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's again. I thinking it's a European art film, so they have to have a bit of nudity in there. Yeah. No, by the way, just just in case anyone's out there thinking that ooh, a movie with some uh, a seventies movie with some gratuitous nudity, none of this nudity is sexy. It's just it's just <laughs> not. There is nothing titillating about any of the uh, exposed boobs and how they're done in this movie. It's just like, why is she naked? Just because they probably wanted to put a naked girl there. It's yeah, it's it's not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit strange, so, but um, but by this point in the movie, you just kind of like I, I I think I'm glad it hadn't outstayed its welcome. I'm glad it was only an hour seventeen because I was at the point where I'm like, okay, just work out what's going to happen with this bloody bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or how you're going to get rid of uh, it? Uh, I'm not actually sure what she did to set the bed on fire, but it's a good thing she she did get there in time to set the bed on fire. 
just before the demon woke up. Oh, yeah, great time. <laughs> and then we're given all these shots of the bed burning up, and you're like, yeah, we, yeah, we, we get an idea what's happening now. It would have been cool if it, there was this voice or something going, ah, inside at all, or maybe some more crunching, but no, we didn't get that. No, just, just, just a, a, a bed burning from every conceivable angle. And it felt like that too. I swear that probably was the last five minutes of the running time. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, tell you one thing I noticed – uh, over the closing credit is uh, Sharon's brother, who you mentioned was almost like um, someone who was like this extra detective guy trying to track this person down. I like how he was credited as Sharon's brother. Like the guy didn't even get a name. <laughs> oh, you'd think that would have even in the credits, but they're like, no one will know who it was. <laughs> guy with very 70s fashion yeah, sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you got, you got like Sharon's brother. Um, the girl in the grave was the resurrected. The artist was just voice of the artist. And then victim, first female victim. Side order, gangster, gangster. It's like... <laughs> well, one thing I noticed about the credits, and I don't know if it was to do with the fact that the film had come out in the early 2000s, but the credits always actually seemed a lot newer than the film, almost like they were done afterwards. Like, obviously... Not after the movie it was finished being filmed, obviously, but more in recent times. I don't know. It just looked a bit more remastered. I might have just been thinking that. But there's only so much um, white on a black background can do, I suppose. Yeah, they probably <laughs> took advantage of actually having um, computers to to do the closing credits rather than having to deal with whatever they had put in. Always assuming they had closing credits back in 1977 because I, I know that there, there were a lot of very cheap horror movies of the time that just ended. And it's just like, <laughs> who was in that movie? You're not going to tell us? It's just the end. Okay. <laughs> or it could have at least ended with a whole heap of crunching sounds. Oh, it started, <laughs> like the opening. It started with the crunching sounds. It finished with a burning bed. There we go. <laughs> So we know what happens. <laughs> Indeed. So uh, that means, well, we both got to the end of Deathbed, the bed that eats, and we've both got to the end of our discussion of Deathbed, <laughs> the bed that eats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you realise that's the best way to say it, Trev. I can hear your voice doing it every time. <laughs> Again, you know, you, you, you can't go halves on something like this, you know. Oh, of course. Just, just, you know, and it, and just, just calling it Deathbed. I'll go. Plain lazy, you know. It needs a full title. <laughs> and I must admit, talking about you know, um, you know, throwing everything in there, I think that's pretty much what they've done in this movie. It's um, a lot more to it than I was thinking it would be. But anyway, yeah, indeed, indeed. So uh, I think that time has come, Christian. Now I, I know this was suggested by somebody else. So our normal, tra- normal uh, tradition of of going with uh, whoever didn't suggest it goes first is out the window. But I'm pretty sure. I spoke first last time for the house, so Christian, what do you think about the redeemability of Deathbed, the bed that eats? (laughs) Oh gosh, that almost seems rhetorical, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, Look, I had seen this film before in um, Christmas Eve 2015 of all times, actually. I couldn't sleep and I I tracked this movie down or or it was in my list of movies to watch and I thought this was the most bizarre thing I'd ever seen. I actually didn't find it as weird this time around, probably because I knew what was happening going in. As I mentioned earlier, with a movie called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats, you know, what more can happen? But I did really appreciate the fact that they gave it a bit of a, a, at least a well-thought backstory, even though we got you know, lost on quite a lot of the things that they were getting at. But and I like those touches of humour that it had. Like I wish it had been a bit more tongue in cheek the whole way through, but that could have got 
you know, probably a bit tired really quickly. So I, I, it was good that it was serious in, in some respects. But I actually found, as I said, I liked the fact that it had a backstory, but a lot of times those flashbacks or anything to do with the demon and all that were really quite confusing and not really necessary. I just wanted someone else to be killed in a creative way like they did with the lasso with the sheets, you know, things like that. I, I felt like when we got to a scene like that, it could have been repeated a lot more with some other different different things. So... And I think the way that the bed consumed people was definitely interesting, if bizarre. You know, as I said, it could have been a puppet type thing <laughs> opening its mouth up, and I'm kind of glad it wasn't. Otherwise, it would have gone for the full cheese. Now, the question of whether it's redeeming, redeemable or not. Look, what can you say? Like with a movie called this, oh, it, it, yeah. Look, Trevor, I'm going to have to just come out right away and say this film is not redeemable at all fair enough um <laughs> well look uh, from my point of view it was definitely a, a a cheap 70s horror movie had bad music bad acting and all that bad dialogue added in post just to just to really add that extra layer of tawdriness. from what i'd heard about this movie i've got to admit i was expecting much worse than what really just ended up as a poorly acted excuse to have people eaten by a bed. Uh, the, the deadpan delivery of, of the most horrified comments, I found that added a, a strange a strange bit of comedy. Uh, but really, uh, look, this is a 77-minute long movie that it, it shouldn't have been as much of a chore to get through it as it was. It definitely dragged quite a bit in places. And at the end of the day, I don't think there's any need for anyone to watch this movie even as a curiosity. So it may not be the worst movie I've had to watch for this podcast, but it's still definitely not redeemable. Oh, well, 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 well. We haven't had a, a, a both irredeemable for a while, so... <laughs> I kind of could say that it was a bit of an obvious one going in, but we had to we had to trial it and see how we went. <laughs> uh, there were, I think, yeah, like you said, that there were certain aspects that I think were that would have been more in there if it had gone for more of the cheese, if it had gone for more spectacular action via the bed. I think you know you could have had a very different movie, but obviously <laughs> we got what we got, and. Um, it was a movie a long time in its uh, lead up to its official release. And, and my theory on the budget of $30 million is that most of that money went to drugs. <laughs> well, that would make sense considering the period in which it came out. So that makes us, that makes a lot of sense, Trevor. So, And if I ever do find out the, um, the actual box office numbers, I will let the podcast know. Because so, I'd love to know if this film even... I, I, I even think it would have been too weird for the drive-ins, but I actually think it would have been a real... Possibly a, a late 70s, early 80s drive-in movie that they would have just thrown on. So Pretty much. Now, we, we do have an extra opinion here. I, I did put the call out to say if anyone had anything redeemable to say about this movie. And uh, Tim got on the Facebook, uh, the Facebook page and basically said, it inspired Patton Oswalt. That's all I've got. <laughs> well there you go and hey he got us talking about it indeed, so. <laughs> he did but you know what christian this movie does have its fans Ooh, okay and this is the redeeming features cast we may not have redeemed the movie this time but we do like to finish on a high note so i've got another review here to uh to wrap up our chat about deathbed the bed that eats the title of this review is so bad it's great for every horror fan, there are movies that are considered so bad they're good. Deathbed is so awful that it is awesome. 
I can't even begin to describe how terrible and incredible this movie is to watch. A bed eats fried chicken and drinks wine in some goopy, trippy yellow dimension within itself. And I've said too much already. You have to see this movie. Five stars. <laughs> I think they would just. I think they just love the yellow goopy bubble thing. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I was even surprised when you said earlier on how high the, the IMDb thing was, like four point something. I'm like, I was surprised it got that high. Yeah, I, I can, I can kind of see the cult appeal of this movie. Like I said, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as I was expecting, and and there were aspects of it that were certainly enjoyable. So, as as a cult movie and as a as an underground uh, underground film of popularity, look, I I can see I can see this movie getting its audience. You know, there there are people out there that do enjoy this crap. I might have to look at doing a screening. Don't tell George about it. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's a secret. <laughs> And well. so, uh, as we mentioned, this uh, this is actually the the last um, official episode of the Rufus Project for this year. We are bringing season four of the Rufus Project to a close. Wow! Yeah. And all these—I was going to say all these terrific movies, but I'll have to rethink that word. <laughs> well, you, you will have to rethink that because okay, we still got our irredeemable Christmas special coming up. Now we we have uh, done a bit of shortlist. I think we pretty much have decided on what we're going to look at, but yes, I, I, I'm not prepared to I'm not prepared to reveal that to the world just yet. But uh, if you haven't checked out our uh, our previous Christmas specials, uh, we've looked at the Star Wars Holiday Special. We've looked at Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. And we've looked at He-Man and She-Ra, a Christmas special. <laughs> so as you can see, listeners, you're, you're kind of getting an idea of the type of movies that we look at. Gosh, Trevor, you'd reminded me about the Grumpy Cat. <laughs> I wiped it from my mind. <laughs> oh, that was, uh, that was a movie. Anyway, so uh, with, with, the, with the Irredeemable Christmas special, as in the title, uh, it's a little Christmas present for Christian and myself because we get to watch these things and just go to town on them and not bother about trying to redeem them. Uh, we also have a little bit where we look at the uh, the year just gone and work out our most and least redeemable movies from season four. So uh, keep an eye on our Facebook page. That's going to be the best place to get updates about the upcoming Christmas special. Woo-hoo. Definitely. Wow, time has flown, and I'm sure there's <laughs> still hundreds more movies that we haven't even tackled yet, so it's always good to hear some recommendations as well, because that kind of keeps us going, because we start to exhaust our lists a bit too. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's okay. I've already, I've already lined up uh, a few for next year, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I'll have to dig into the vault. Now that I know that we've done Deathbed, anything's possible, so blame Chris for that. <laughs> oh yeah, we've, uh, we, we've opened a can of worms here, haven't we? <laughs> so I'll try and be good. Yeah. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. So uh, yeah. So if you do want to get in touch with us, by the way, uh, you can, as we said, get onto that Facebook page, which is the Rufus Project on Facebook. You can find the Rufus Project on Twitter. You can head to our homepage, rufusproject.com, and leave a comment below this episode. You can send us an email to podcast at rufusproject.com. We would love to hear from you. Do you have any favourites from the past? past 12 months let us know we would love to hear from you and uh but it's not all wrapped up yet 
Christian, I believe you've got a few uh, you've got a few events coming up, festive and otherwise, to uh, see people through to the end of the year. Yes, it's always something coming up, and um, we're winding down with the 30th anniversary screenings of Dirty Dancing and Princess Bride. Now we've screened them earlier in the year, but they're so popular we've brought it back, and I think I'm pretty much screening both movies back to back all day for one of the days, and and one of the other days we've screened we've um sold out completely. So. If you want a chance to experience these movies, they end up becoming a quote along pretty much. Um, head along to Metro Arts on the 2nd of December and details are at my website. And we've also got an 80s and 90s video party to end the year at New Globe Theatre on Friday the 15th of December. So head to christianfletcher.com or Christian Fletcher Events on Facebook and I will announce my events for next year very soon. Fantastic. And if you want more podcast awesomeness, uh, we've still got another What the History to be released before that one runs up for the year. So that's where uh, my wife Susie and myself look at some bizarre bits of history and uh, have a lot of fun with uh, what is essentially a nice short bite-sized podcast. 20 minutes is your average running length. Uh, It's fun, it's quick, it's easy to listen to, and it's got some very, very interesting stuff in there. Like, I've been blown away by some of the stuff that we've dug up just looking for oddities in amongst history so that's definitely worth checking out over at wthpod.rufusproject.com definitely recommend it too and it makes you realize too trevor that you know what is it fact is almost is this so much more stranger than a fiction (laughs) oh yes yes indeed well considering the uh the last episode that's just gone out um actually looked at one of the inspiration for james bond so if you want to see a nice blend of uh of, of our fact influence fiction uh, that's a good one to check out very good and yeah so from bad movies to tidbits of history <laughs> we definitely have everything covered well well hopefully we, we try we do try so i think on that note it's probably time to to wrap things up uh season four has been awesome awesome fun we have checked out some good movies and we've checked out a lot of not so good movies, and uh, yeah, and, and from memory, more of them have been bad than good. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I'll have to recheck my <laughs> list again. <laughs> Absolutely, we're going to go back over that list to work out our uh, our most least redeemable. Oh, that's going to be fun. God, glad we don't have to watch. Imagine if we had to watch the movies again <laughs> to work it yeah, out. No. Oh no, no. <laughs> let's not bring. No, that no, in. no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Okay. And um, so uh, until next time, like I said, we'll see you at some point over the next month for the the Rufus Project Irredeemable Christmas special. Uh, And then after that, we will be back in the new year. So thanks for coming along for the ride and we will catch you later.